You're listening to the FMC Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, uh, welcome to the FMC Podcast. I'm Matt Spazali. And I'm Jonathan Keel. And uh, we're happy that you're with us here today. Um, we'll start off with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, Son and, Holy and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Uh, praise you, Lord Jesus. We just ask your Holy Spirit to come to be with us during this conversation. We yes, ask Lord. you to um, bless us and inspire us uh, as we talk about you. Um, help us to take take risks in our lives for your sake, Lord. Risks for the gospel and um, to always uh, never be content to remain um, you know, inside and to go outside of ourselves Thank to you, find Jesus. others, to find mm-hmm. you in others, and um, we we pray all of these things in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Son Holy, Spirit. Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, so today we're going to talk about Jesus, the Lord of Risk. Um, which is maybe a title you've never heard before uh, for Jesus. I had never heard it before, but it's one that Pope Francis used in his um, address at World Youth Day in, uh, let's see, this was 2016, so just Mm -hmm. this past World Youth Day, Pope Francis talks about, uh, he says, My friends, Jesus is the Lord of risk. Uh, So... Jonathan, what is he talking about? Well, it's interesting. The, the the entire title he uses is Jesus, the Lord of Risk, the Lord of the Eternal More, M-O-R-E. And, and really today, one of the things we're going to be talking about is true versus false happiness. And, um, you know, we, we missionaries believe that... Uh, our most happy moments of deepest joy have been in mission, have been in following Jesus on the road, um, listening to his call, taking up our crosses and following him. And just, uh, it changes our lives. And I think uh, it's it certainly seems crazy to the world outside. And we're going to talk about um, a lot of these different issues today about um, our treasures, our worries, true happiness, fear, risk taking, uh, and really just stepping out uh, onto the waters. Sometimes the the image that you is used. I like an image uh, Pope Francis used in a daily mass uh, uh, sermon in January of this year when he talked about. Um, Jesus on the road and those who follow Jesus, who take the risk, who meet him on the road, who walk with him on the road versus those like the Pharisees who stand or sit on the side of the road and watch him pass by and watch closely to criticize um, and to uh, make excuses for why they're not in the procession heading towards Jerusalem to lay down their lives uh, for the sake of the gospel. So we're going to be doing all of that um, and we're going to be taking kind of our um, our stepping off point uh, with a passage from Luke's gospel that's sometimes called the rich fool and we wanted to um, kind of allow this passage to speak to our hearts today and then combine it with some of the themes that Pope uh, Francis gave to us last year uh, at the World Youth Day in Krakow this was at his Saturday night prayer vigil on uh, July 30th and the reason kind of why we're bringing in this World Youth Day um, motif today uh, and really what led us to this talk was that just recently um, Pope Francis uh, sent out the message uh, for the 32nd World Youth Day in 2017. Um, and uh, this was promulgated uh, just uh, towards the end of February. And one of the things that he says is that this year, 
um, we'll be reflecting on the faith of Mary. So in the Magnificat, who says, The Mighty One has done great things for me. Then the theme for next year, 2018, will be um, Do Not Be Afraid. And we'll be talking about um, charity and courage. And then in 2019, for the World Youth Day in Panama, uh, we'll be looking at Mary's hope-filled reply to the angel. So these next three years, we'll be looking at faith, courage, and then a reply. So we can see that the Pope is challenging us uh, with the image of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the first missionary when she went and brought Jesus to Elizabeth in the mountains. Her model uh, of faith, of hope, and of uh, of uh, kind of reciprocity or reply to the call of God. And so... Uh, we wanted to kind of just jump on that bandwagon, you might say, kind of help the Pope out. Uh, not that he needs our help, but help him out by just spreading this message. And um, so that's where we're at today. Yeah, I I think uh, I know the uh, the Pope has been um, very helpful to me um, this with this similar message, and we can see it throughout his pontificate it's it's this go go out mm-hmm. do something you know and um i think the simplicity of that call really cut through a lot of noise for me in my life um kind of by in in a little personal testimony i'll just say that in 2013 when pope francis was elected um I went on my first mission trip to Mexico. Um, Jonathan, you don't remember, but you were there at that uh, time, um, and and you made a big, you know, you made a big impression on me. Actually, uh, you, you and your family, and the the radical step that you y'all had taken um, as a family. It was like this is this is something big, and and my friend. Kevin Granger and his wife Sarah were there and um, I was seeing people acting in the same spirit that the Pope was now this I mean the t- from the top of the church Pope the Pope is speaking these this same kind of language a call to go out and and be a missionary in in whatever way, you can come you know conceive of it just don't keep in what you have what you've received from the lord and so i got that message very loud uh, 2013 i was seeing poverty and um in mexico in a way that i hadn't before the pope the new pope is talking about the poor a poor church for the poor and f- wanting the church to be out in the street um and and then I, I read this book um, by Father Thomas Dubay um, hat called Happy Are You Poor? I love that book. And um, yeah, I can't recommend it enough. It's just, it's fantastic. And so those three things, the trip, the Pope, the this book, I, I read and experienced all these things around the same time and it just pierced my heart finally cutting through all I don't know all the walls I'd built up against the gospel I think to myself or the walls I might have built up um, to help me be complacent help me sit and and think well I don't really need to do anything I just maybe just focus on myself and figure things out there um, and when the Pope, it, you know, he's saying great things in these World Youth Day addresses. So the World Youth Day in Rio, where he said, "Go make a mess," and we, I'm sure, have talked about this on <laughs> on the podcast previously. But I, I, it continues to be a source of inspiration for me mm-hmm. because I think we see, as missionaries, we see ourselves making a lot of messes Mm -hmm. you know it's not this is not a clean business in the sense that it doesn't all work smoothly you make steps for the lord that don't 
seem to bear any fruit or they just fall flat on their face and you know you I'm, I'm thinking of some of the times in Mexico where we would go to the different little villages and call people to prayer in the chapel and then maybe like one old lady shows up and to you know praise God that she may be the one who you know needed to be there but from an outside perspective it looks like we've used all of this energy mm-hmm. and then we're just mm-hmm. playing songs for ourselves what what is that doing and um it may it may be a mess but what's what i take comfort in is that i could say to god i'm trying mm-hmm. i i know it's a mess but i'm trying i'm i'm doing this for you i'm doing this for jesus i'm doing this for the other people and i think that's what i mean you know I, I know that that is what the pope is talking about and what jesus is calling us to not to yeah. just be navel gazing um couch potatoes uh that's that not only does that not help anyone else it does not help us it's the worst thing for for ourselves um, and I, I've found that too. The like you said, the greatest joy has been le- going out of myself, even when it's very difficult, even when it seems like a huge, huge risk. Um, it's I'm following. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. And if mm-hmm. <laughs> if it's a mistake, it's okay. You know, in the sense that if as long as it's not a sin then we have to be willing to just pursue these things and see what happens, see where it leads, yeah. see then see what the fruits are. Well, let me read... Yeah, go, go, uh, go ahead. I this, just... No, no, this is awesome. Let me read this passage. Uh, it's, today we'll be reading from Luke 12, 13 through 34. We're not going to read all of it. I'll skip a few passages, but uh, we'll just get the gist of it. And so... One of the multitude said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of all covetousness. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store these crops. And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Skip down to 29. And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be of anxious mind. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things shall be yours as well. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Provide yourselves with purses that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, this passage uh, is one of the many um, beautiful parables and challenging parables that Luke gives Uh, As Jesus is walking on the road, starting in Luke uh, chapter 9, Jesus begins his trip from uh, Galilee to Jerusalem, where he's to have his passion. And uh, he tells this story, and it's it's a fascinating story in what is, is, um, as we look at the mind of this rich man, who's later called a fool, 
Um, because the fool is this man who is, number one, he's self-centered. It, notice it never crosses his mind to help others with his wealth. He asks the question, what shall I do? But then immediately his thought is in how he could store up his excess for himself. Um, and so Pope Francis points out he could have said to himself, I will give this to someone else in order to help them. Or he could have given it to the poor. This this is an, an anticipation for um, a parable we talked about um, during our first podcast of Lazarus, this poor man, and the rich man who also totally neglected Lazarus. Uh, it doesn't say he did anything really wrong other than he was thoughtless of others. He was mm -hmm. thoughtless of those who had less. It didn't even cross his mind. So we're seeing this similarity. The first thing we see in a fool is that there this egotism this self-centeredness um and then you know if i could just touch on two more aspects that teach us a little bit about what a fool is um also we see he's very attached to worldly things and to his comforts uh and this kind of the opening is this idea of covetedness covetousness um and this ambition to have more and more which um you know, Pope Francis calls, says that this leads to idolatry of money and ends in destroying our relationship with others. Uh, and so we have this kind of, this man who's being consumed by his wealth, his abundance, his accu uh, accumulation of possessions. Uh, and we see this so often, you know, now he's, that he's getting more, he's going to have to tear down what he has and build even bigger barns. Again, there's no idea of, um, let me share this, let me pass this on. There's not even, of course, an idea of, uh, furthermore, that the, it's just that this would be um, shared with those who don't have or with those who are sick. Um, the rich man's own words, we can see, bear witness to this. He says, soul... Um, uh, you know, um, eat, you have ample goods, eat, drink, be merry. So again, uh, this is kind of this, this reality of the wealthy fool, or the, in this case, just a fool in general, is not only a self-centeredness, but this attachment, this groundedness in his possessions, and uh, this seeking a life of comfort and ease. And this is where Pope Francis is going to take this idea of Christians who desire to live in comfort and ease what he calls sofa happiness or sofa Catholicism. This idea of kind of sitting back, watching, uh, just kind of doing just barely enough. We see this so often uh, in our church in the United States, and I, I would say that it's even at times... Um, fostered by kind of our uh at times um the way we look at vocations in general where we we seem sometimes to make it seem like um lay people's job is to just raise a family and to provide to be sort of mini factories where vocate <laughs> the real vocation to the priesthood and religious life will be uh you know, a, a kind of like a garden where they can grow up rather than as Pope Francis calls us to uh, understanding that vocation is what all of us, each one of us has. And this is something that's been developed since the Second Vatican Council. Right. Well, yeah, it, the I get uh, increasingly, you know, you go to um, you go to mass and you hear uh, prayers for vocations and they generally say prayers for vocations to the priesthood or religious life. That's that you generally don't hear anything else. And I think one that um, that word vocation for most for most of my life, I only associated that with religious vocation, um, and that meaning priesthood or. Uh, joining an order, becoming a brother or sister, um, and that just doesn't—that's not what the word means. And um, 
It's a calling. Vocation is a calling. And God is calling all of us to do something. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Lord. And it's, yeah, thank you for your call, Lord. And we, um, we just, we, we are praying. And, and the reason that we're, I guess one, you know, one of the main reasons we're doing this podcast is for anyone hearing it, listen to the call, listen to what God is calling you to. Um, and if he's calling you to, or actually we know that no matter what he's calling you to, part of it is sharing him with other people. Um, getting up and, and doing something that's not the, the role of the, it's not the role of the priest in our parish to be the one who tells people about Jesus. It's the role of the laity. This is a consistent teaching. We know this. Um, but it's, you know, I think it's it's frustrating. Um, you don't hear anybody, <laughs> you know, nobody talks about um, being a missionary, you know, a vocation, missionary vocations. Um, it, it, you don't commonly hear that. Um, and I wanted to, so there's a, there's a priest in the Lafayette Diocese, and I can't remember, I've got a name in mind, but I can't remember if that's exactly the guy, so I don't want to call, say, and, and this is a positive thing I'm going to say, um, so I apologize to the, the person who I'm complimenting that I don't remember exactly his name, but um, a young priest who, and I'm also paraphrasing words that someone else told me that he said, so this would not hold up well in court. Um, <laughs> but but this isn't uh, this isn't court. This is a podcast, and we can say we kind of say this kind of stuff. And anyway, uh, so this guy, this priest, he uh, you know relatively recently ordained, and he said to a friend of mine, I didn't become a priest, and I think he basically said this to his congregation, I didn't become a priest to every day just make the rounds at the nursing homes, to go to the jails, to go to all these different people, basically to be Christ to every single person in the parish while the laity, while you just sit in the pews and listen to me on Sundays. That's, that would be the most, um, uh, boring thing in a sense for him. He said, he, his idea is that I became a priest to enable my flock to do those things that, um, and, and I, and I believe that our good and holy priests do all of those things because we are not doing the work mm-hmm. ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not being, we're, you know, I keep saying this, it's like we're not being Jesus to these, to to our brothers and sisters. So the priest who, you know, um, has the, has the desire to go out and, and be Christ, sees all these things that are not being done and tries to do them himself. And so then we have priests who are just overwhelmed mm-hmm. by all of the needs of their parish. They have to be administrators. They have to be um, the primary ministers of the gospel and and acting on the gospel in their parish. And it's a crushing... Um, a crushing responsibility and it's not what is supposed to happen we're not supposed to merely go to church on Sundays um, participation of the laity in the world of the in, in the work of the church is not merely being a lector at mass mm-hmm. it's not merely being a um, a communion um, minister oh yeah it uh, is you know I think that's that's unfortunately um, what was taken, you know, from the Vatican Council in a lot of ways. Um, oh, now there the laity is going to participate. Yeah, we're going to participate in the mass. Praise God, and that is good. And I think, it, again, 
Um, there's nothing wrong with priests going to nursing homes, and there's nothing wrong with laity um, reading at Mass. But we need to remember that the Church and Christ is calling us to more than that. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I want to just... You know, Pope Francis says he's calling the lady to come out of the caves, yeah. uh, which is just a real interesting, if we had more time to just think of that idea uh, and the idea of the, the you know, Plato's semi-parable of the cave. But also he says it's the hour of the laity, but it seems that the clock has stopped. Uh, he said, helping the lady to become the real protagonist is not a concession of our goodwill because it's their right. And you could see that in, uh, you know, Vatican II's document on the laity says that God's manifold and pre- or uh, God's ma- or that the church's Jesus's manifold and pressing need um, is the unmistakable work being done today by the Holy Spirit in making the laity ever more conscience conscious of the responsibility, their own responsibility, and encouraging them to serve Christ in the church in all circumstances. You know, he, I love this image he's, Pope Francis uses. He says, God expects something from you. God is challenging you as laity not to be young couch potatoes, <laughs> but to follow Jesus with boots laced. Um, that's just... In my mind, you know, it's it's such a powerful uh, image. You know, he, he says the times we live in require only active players on the field. There's no room for those who sit on the bench. And yet we know so many lay people who sit on the bench. And we've heard so often um, pastors I have that seem to be very content with this as well. This idea of, um, you know, the lay people, their job is to pray, to obey, uh, and to, you know, pass on some, to basically fund the real work being done by, um, by priests and religious. And I just think, you know, that uh, I'm so personally blessed that Pope Francis taking up the call in Vatican II is really pushing us beyond uh, this type of what he calls clericalism. And, you know, to use uh, something from my own life, uh, one time we were in mission. I don't want to give too many details. I don't want to call out. I love loved all the clergy we've worked with. But this one particular meeting we had, um, Father was with us and actually a couple fathers and they begin asking our children, you know, what they wanted to uh, do with their lives. And so they asked my oldest son, Moses, who promptly replied uh, he wanted to be a Navy SEAL. Mm. Uh, that's kind of his, uh, currently, that's where his mind has been uh, in armed forces. Uh, and then they asked my son, Elijah, you know, what do you want to do with your life? And he said, uh, I want to become a priest. And so they were so thrilled they were jumping around and making you know a big deal of it and then they asked Micah you know what do you want to do and he he was unsure and then they went to Isaac and um Isaac little Isaac they asked him what do you want to you know they might have even said what do you want to be when you grow up something of that sort and he said and I thought it was the best answer one could give I didn't put him up to it he said I want to be a saint, oh, and wow. and what ha- and the response that the, the the priest said was, "Oh, that's nice." And then they ran back. They kind of focused back on Elijah, encouraging him and like you know shouting and uh, you know making a big deal of his desire to become a priest. And I thought that that was, I, I appreciated their love of Elijah. Um, but I also thought it was really a shame because it, it revealed something about the way that we oftentimes treat vocations and really our life as Catholics is so often we think of the the celibate life, really. Um, I wouldn't even say it's clergy. People don't get that excited when you when I've ever seen uh, someone become a deacon. My father-in-law is a deacon. Yeah. He's a wonderful deacon. But 
uh, if I were to tell somebody I was going to become a deacon, I doubt they would be that very excited. I've certainly never seen that. Uh, it was something about, yeah, you know, the celibate right. life that people, you know, that's what they, they, they get excited for. And yet what we should be more excited about is sanctity, yeah. you know, the sanctity. universal call to holiness. Yes. And that's so often missed we get caught up in these external judgments good or evil when we see uh someone living even the priesthood i think that oftentimes uh when i was in when we went to steubenville we we um uh, or not in steubenville in um in macon georgia there was a, a priest i knew he was eastern and um and married and it just kind of like lowered i felt oftentimes his the way people viewed him hmm. they just saw him as almost uh you know second best or something like that and then by no means am i trying to downplay uh the great sacrifice of uh of celibacy simply that no sacrifice however great is more important than sanctity i mean that that's right. we're not called to uh we're called to be holy as our father is holy we're called to be merciful as our father is merciful we're called to be perfect as our father is perfect we're not called to be priests or religious or parents i mean those are set those are calls by means of which even missions my call number one is not to be a dad is not to be a parent is not to be a husband my call is to be holy my call is to be merciful and the means by which god has offered the means god has offered me by which i can become holy and merciful and perfect is through in my case the sacrament of marriage my beautiful children, this wonderful community of missionaries that uh, journey with me. Uh, and each person has their own call to holiness. It may be by means of any number of crosses, right. whether, you know, so I, I think. Well, yeah, your uh, Isaac's, uh, your son Isaac's answer, I think, would uh, often be met with. Um, uh, you know, I think even more than indifference in, in like in that case, but laughter and even <laughs> I kind of laughed when I heard it. But it's it's perfect. It is. It's actually you're right. I think you couldn't have a more perfect answer. All of us are called to be holy. Um, saint just from sanctus, the Latin just it means holy. Mm -hmm. Um, and. We're all called to it. I know that in my life there was there's a time when I would never even I was like, well, okay, I guess I'm not I'm not going to be a saint, you know. I, I'll try maybe I'll try to be good, but that's the way that's for somebody else. Um, and that is absolutely not the teaching of Jesus. He calls us to be perfect, and it's not Amen. the teaching of the church um, that talks about you know, Jesus's universal call to holiness for every single one of us. It's not, if we say, well, I'm not a saint, then something's wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you know, I don't, I, I would still say I'm not a saint, but honestly, I'm trying to be. And I, that's, we are all there. You no one's born a saint in the sense that nobody is other than I guess other than Mary. Um, we are all all the saints that we see throughout history are sinners. They're all sinners. All people who have had to work against this the struggles of the human condition mm -hmm. to seek God. And the more that we do that, the more we see that God gives us the grace to move further along in, in the life. And you, you can, if you, if we're open to what God wants to do, he can do amazing things, things that we would never believe we were capable of because we aren't, we're only capable of it 
if we invite him into our lives. And so Isaac's uh, desire, I want to be a saint. That is, that's the, that's, that's the max. Mm -hmm. That's. It's fascinating, you know, to consider that all of us are called to be saints, but all of us will be saints or we'll be in hell. Yeah. I mean, we will either be in heaven and only saints get there, folks. There's no purgatory or however, or whatever we you think about that uh, is just another means through God's mercy of helping you to become wholly a saint. Right. There are no half saints or non saints <laughs> in heaven. Yeah. The you get there by being a saint and when we say someone's a saint what we're really saying is they're in heaven right and so it's interesting and and important to consider that you don't get a a kind of a middle road in this life you're on your way to hell or to heaven and going to heaven is being a saint i mean that that's the road is sanctity and so often I think people live it half-heartedly and just kind of think, well, you know, Father's going to be a saint or, you know, they, the, the book that they have with all the, the people with the, um, the circles around their heads <laughs> and those people. And then I'm going to be kind of the guy who shows up at the door with St. Peter, you know, this kind of mythology that we have. And uh, I'm just going to say, well, help me and... Peter is going to say, sure, no problem, and, and kind of get me in, and I'm just going to be the same person I am now. I'll just be very thankful. And like, sorry, that that is pure myth. You know, God is calling you to be holy, and he's giving you so many means to do so. And one of those means is your vocation. Yeah. I, this is interesting. I didn't think I would have a chance to talk about this, and maybe I'm fabricating it, but... <laughs> like, I watched this movie, and I I, I don't want to get too far on off on this. I really have a problem with most movies about saints. I I think they're poorly made and poorly acted, um, and that's that's just my opinion. Um, and so I we uh, we watched this movie about um. San Giuseppe Moscati, so Saint Saint Joseph, Saint I won't even trend Giuseppe, um, San Giuseppe Moscati is the um, a doctor in Naples. In um, have you seen the movie? <laughs> Look, it's just in I one of my main problems with it actually <clears throat> is that it hopelessly sentimentalizes his story and takes Jesus out of the story. Yeah. The guy, the guy I, I, in almost three hours, he never says the name of Jesus. I, I didn't get that far in the movie. I watched the whole thing. Almost, I, I love, I mean, I, I, I struggle through speaking Italian. Uh, I, I, I can speak Italian a little bit and, and I just love hearing the language and I really think that's the, so the movie's in Italian, and and part of it in the um, Napolitano dialect, and it's just beautiful. I love hearing it. And I think that's the only reason I was able to get through it. But at the end, I was like, man, this is not an accurate. I mean, what a ridiculous portrayal of this saint. Not only they fabricate some love interest that apparently never happened, um, and they never show the source of his sanctity, and so it becomes. A picture um, that just doesn't make any sense, and so I think that there's a problem. The problem with having bad saint movies is that they give us bad pictures of saints, yeah, and and so it shows like we are. If you watch this movie, you know, just looking at what this guy did, he did amazing saintly things, and he's sacrificing himself for the poor and sacrificing all of his desires um, for what he sees as his vocation. But 
if you were to if I were to look at that and I mean just take the movie as as it's portraying him I would say well that's just impossible for me I don't know why he's doing what he's doing or how he's doing what he's doing but I can't do that they the problem is they don't they don't show you um they don't show you that for me the struggle of holiness Amen. this guy was a daily communicant he went to mass every day they don't show that ever in the in the movie um that's a a devotion that's difficult to to be consistent with mm-hmm. you know prayer is difficult um all of the saints struggled to be saints um so i think that is a you know that's a problem of art and it's a problem of of literature and presentation that we have to overcome to recognize that we are all called to holiness it is not we don't just look at a a picture of a saint bathed in light and assume that well they were just i don't know how they got that Mm -hmm. i don't know where that came from they were just like that. They just, they were always. Yes, you know, so way. often we, I think, what the, we take the, the, let me start over. So, what I love about the sacred scriptures is that all of the saints of sacred scripture, we know their faults, yeah. we know their weaknesses, even our blessed mother. It, it, it you see moments when the finding of Jesus in the temple you know if it was a uh-huh. a, a saint story uh, written by a, uh, you know uh, uh, an author other than you know god writing through uh the apostle luke you would probably hear something like mary hovers in and uh both jesus and mary look at joseph and say you know how dare you you know (laughs) mary would not have worried she would have just totally trusted in the lord she would have you know known exactly where jesus was showed up they would have had this beautiful you know or at the in john 2 when at the wedding feast at cana you know uh again there you have this strange moment or in a mark i believe chapter 6 where mary's uh, looking for Jesus, and he says this cryptic, uh, strange kind of uh, almost a rebuff when he says, "Who is my mother?" And my, I mean, there there are types of things even about the Blessed Mother, but especially with the other saints that yeah. are never mentioned uh, in say the life of Saint Therese. Uh, you, the way that so often we want to portray the saints ends up making the saint great, but making God's participation in their life so much less yes. important. There you go. Uh, I, yeah. I think of huh. my one of my favorite saint stories easily is St. Francis of Assisi. And when you read his life, the very earliest um, stories of his life, um, there's much more of a, you get much more of a sense of who he was. And he wasn't right. just kind of this, you know, basically an altar server who uh, just decided to take it a bit more seriously. The guy was, he, he partied. <laughs> That's great. He was, he was a sinner, you know, and, um, and God's grace saved him. And mm-hmm. I think so often we, not only do we not relate, but we were able to get out of hagiography so often let us off the hook because we realize well, I'm not like that guy. That guy never struggled with anything. Right. Or that woman, you know, uh, they saw a vision of Jesus when they were five years old. Um, you know, so how, how, how do I relate? I've never seen a vision of Jesus like that. And I think our it, it affects the way that we look at holiness. And, mm-hmm. and I think it leads to this type of couch potato Catholicism or sofa Catholicism that Pope Francis talks about because what it ends up with is kind of creating an upper, a middle, and a lower class Catholicism. (laughs) Yeah. Where you have kind of the, um, you know, the upper class clergy, the bishops, those who are kind of, you know, above and beyond they're the ones that you know give out the crumbs to everyone else which is just ridiculous and not 
a faithful um, rendition of uh, the theology, especially of Vatican II. And then you have kind of these lower class, not really called to do much besides maybe live off a sort of uh, Catholic welfare program of holiness, where it's just kind of this trickle-down effect that comes from you, if you have a very holy priest, if you go to a very holy uh, mass, somehow, you know, in the midst of that, while you're telling your five kids or, you know, however many kids you have, or you're, uh, you know, going through all of these motions that just, you'll just become holy by a sort of osmosis, a sort of like, uh, almost like a handout. That's just ridiculous, people. Like, God is calling us not to sit on the sofa, not to sit on the, uh, the pew. You know, I love this. I'm going to read this section really quick. He, Pope Francis says that you know this fear that this fear that we often have of taking a risk with Jesus who calls us to get off the pew and to take a risk he says this leads to and is joined by its twin sister paralysis this idea of being paralyzed there's no longer any room to grow dream create or gaze at new horizons we and we miss encountering others being Jesus uh, making friends, sharing dreams. And he says this, I love it. But in life, there is another, even more dangerous kind of paralysis. It's not easy to put a finger on it. I like to describe it as the paralysis that comes from confusing happiness with a sofa. Hmm. In other words, to think that in order to be happy, all we need is a good sofa. You could even say a pew. A sofa that makes us feel comfortable, calm, safe. A sofa like one of those we have nowadays with a built-in massage unit to put <laughs> us to sleep. Great. A sofa that promises us hours of comfort so we can escape to the world of video games and spend all kinds of time in front of a computer screen. A sofa that keeps us safe from any kind of pain and fear. A sofa that allows us to stay home without needing to work at or worry about anything. Sofa happiness. That is probably the most harmful and insidious form of paralysis, which can cause the greatest harm to people. And why does this happen? Because little by little, even without realizing it, we start to nod off grow drowsy and dull wow i mean that's just i love that yeah, i mean love that, that yeah. is just so and that, fiery it's fan i think uh, i was looking at it and isolating these words comfortable calm safe um safe or this phrase safe from any kind of pain and fear and i mean really if you look at it that's what when 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 most of us are not pursuing God or not taking it as seriously as we should, we're pursuing those things, and they don't sound bad. It's like I don't want to be in pain, I don't want to have fear, but if it's at the cost of never taking a chance on anything, that's paralysis, as he says. We're just vegetating, sitting there, uh -huh. becoming nothing. We're not. We're we're. we're regressing and, and um that is not the life that god is calling us yeah to. and you know honestly in this time of lent one of the things that leads to this fear and we see it in the story of the rich man uh is our attachment to our possessions people so often uh you know i, I think of this christian music singer named rich mullins he wrote i believe you our god is an awesome god and, and a number of other hit songs uh we kind of touched on this last week but he wouldn't take he didn't want to know how much money his music made he had uh he took a salary from his his church uh and one time it was asked him you know how do you know how much how many records you've sold how much money you've made something to this effect and he said i don't want to know because it would make it harder to let go of yeah and so often we as we become more successful as we become more comfortable as the sofa 
uh, becomes one that massages your back, you could say, or to use this analogy, or becomes a lazy boy, etc., um, it gets much harder to get off that couch. Mm-hmm. And I remember a friend of mine telling me a story. Uh, it was kind of a funny story, but very spiritual to me. Uh, how he won, uh, he had a, he bought a lottery ticket and um, at the end of his day after work, and uh, he won $20,000, this ticket, wow. but he couldn't turn it in. It was a Friday, he couldn't turn it in until Monday. And he said he went home, he couldn't sleep all weekend. He was so afraid that he would either lose the ticket or someone would break in and steal it. He wouldn't leave the house. He told all of his friends he couldn't go out this weekend. Uh, he basically spent the entire weekend just guarding oh, this twenty thousand right. dollar ticket. And so often that is us, people. We yeah. we begin to become comfortable in our lives, and then our next step is. To build up, uh, you know, ways to protect that. Whether that's uh, like this rich man and ways. Okay, well, what about when I'm no longer working? I need to have my retirement plan. I need to have all these different types of plans. I need to have uh, a number of different ways of protecting these. Whether that is this alarm system, this safe, uh, and all of that ends up sapping all of our resources that we have for the mission and the risk of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, as, as he says, Jesus is is the Lord of risk. Um, and we're uh, coming towards the end of our, our time here. Um, I wanted to, I think Jonathan and I both saw this topic as an opportunity, uh, just and I and I hope that we haven't. I hope that we've been um, encouraging in the sense mm-hmm. that um, this is. It's very important that all of us as Christians um, take action, um, and and I'm, so it's not. We're not here to condemn anyone, and even uh, Pope Francis mentions that yeah, somewhere in yeah. here. You know, this isn't the time for fighting and or condemning and and um i I don't want to get overly (laughs) apologetic here in the sense that like um i don't uh, if we've pushed you that's what we've hoped to do um but it's not about uh tearing anyone down or uh, insulting anyone but we're what we want to do is encourage you to take a risk to mm-hmm. do anything but sit back on the sofa um, and assume that that's going to be good for you or good for anyone else yeah you know Jesus wants us to make um, our lives a gift to him and to others, not just to him, but to him through others. And Pope Francis has this kind of made up dialogue and someone says, you may say to me, he says, Father, that's not for everybody, mm. but just for a chosen few. You could imagine someone, the, the backdrop there is priests and religious. True, and those chosen, Pope Francis said, are all who are ready to share their lives with others. Let me repeat that. Those who are chosen are all who are ready to share their lives with others. You're called. All are called to share our lives with others. God expects something from you. He hopes in you. He wants something of us. He comes to open the doors of our lives, our dreams, our ways of seeing things. God is challenging us. And I I just love that. You know, Pope Francis, he says, Jesus is pointing you to the future and never to the museum. And it's just, again, Hmm. uh, so often we lay people sit by uh, and either out of fear or indifference, just like the rich fool, we don't go all in. But God's calling us. Jesus is calling us to take a risk. He is the Lord of risk, but also the Lord of the eternal more 
And the reason that's so important is that God wants to give you so much more than you ever imagined. But we have to follow him. We have to let go. We have to open our hands by letting go of the things that we hold on to so that Jesus can fill them with so much more. Yes, Lord. So um, why don't we go ahead and pray? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I, I just want to challenge every listener of this podcast to ask God to speak to you personally, to ask Him to challenge you personally as He already is. He may be calling you even to be a full-time evangelist or lay missionary, but I want to end with a prayer. Today, Jesus, You who are the way, the truth, and the life, You who are calling each one of us to leave their mark on history, You who are life itself are asking each of us to leave a mark that brings life on our own history and that of many others. You who are truth itself asked us to abandon the paths of rejection, division, and emptiness. Lord, prepare our hearts. Give us the courage to answer your call. Give us the joy-filled experience of being your hands and feet. Give us dreams and the fearless resolve to pursue those dreams as we take up our crosses to follow you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, And thank all of you for listening. We love you. Go take some risks. Uh, Make a mistake for, for the gospel. Make a mistake. Fail. Fail greatly in pursuit of the gospel the lord's mercy is there waiting for us um when we do anything wrong but we just let's just go out and and um dare to dare to do great things peace we're out We appreciate you listening to today's podcast. Please tune in again next week, and we look forward to seeing you. May God bless you.